Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Chris Geis. So, you want to ride a motorcycle better, faster, safer, with more skill and confidence? Or do you want to ride a motorcycle for the first time? Or ride again after taking a break from riding? Well, the purpose of my podcast is to help grow the sport of motorcycling by helping riders of all levels, whether they are new to motorcycling or not, increase their knowledge and skills so that they are better, smarter, safer riders and are getting everything they want out of motorcycling, whether it's on the street, on the track, or maybe even as a fan or a participant in some form of motorcycle racing. My game is to help all motorcyclists up their game. This is episode 53 titled Suspension Basics and the Motul Slacker Digital Suspension Tuner. In this episode, I have a great discussion with John Casebeer, owner of Motul and inventor of the Slacker Digital Suspension Tuner. John raced motorcycles in the 1980s on motocross circuits and in the desert. After John lost some friends to racing accidents, his dad pulled a plug on his racing aspirations and John went to technical school and eventually built an information technology company. After 20 years of touring the country, playing in hardcore punk rock bands as a sideline, John decided it was time for a new hobby and decided to get back into motorcycles. At that point, he found himself riding four-cycle dirt bikes, which behaved much differently than the two-cycle dirt bikes that he grew up around. One of the things that plagued him was not having a simple and efficient way to set up, change, and monitor the sag on his race bikes. He tried some tools that were out on the market, but not being satisfied with what he found, he set out to design a new suspension sag measurement tool, which allowed the rider to accurately measure the sag without the need for friends to hold the bike, lift the bike, and take the needed measurements. Thus, the Slacker Digital Suspension Tuner was born. After various trials and tribulations and four different versions, John now has the tool he dreamed about having so many years ago. Over the last several years, John has shipped over 18,000 Slacker units and continues to innovate the product as well as develop new products for the motorcycle, recreational, and racing industries. This episode was recorded as a live video shown using Facebook Live. So if you prefer, you can check out the video on my Facebook page, So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle. Stay tuned as I'll be doing as many of these podcast recordings as possible using Facebook Live, usually on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and I will, of course, continue to make the audio portion available via this podcast. You can email questions for my guests and I prior to the live show using So You Want to Ride at Yahoo.com, or even better yet, tune in while we are recording and post your questions online. We will do the best we can to answer all questions while we record. Further instructions will be posted before each live show on my Facebook page. This episode was recorded on Wednesday, July 8th, 2020, and is being published on Tuesday, July 21st, 2020. I hope you enjoy it. Before we get into this episode, I would like to mention my affiliate partner, Heroic Racing Apparel. Whether you're looking for quality gear for the street or track, head over to SoYouWantToRide.com, click on the, the affiliates link, and click on the Heroic logo or one of the products that are showcased there. Any purchases you make will help support the podcast. Check out Heroic's leather gloves, jackets, track suits, and armored Kevlar hoodie. I would also like to announce Motul as my latest affiliate partner. Check out the Motul links on my website to learn more about their digital suspension tuning products and how they can be used for street, off-road, adventure, and race bikes. And finally, remember that I love getting feedback from listeners, so when you're done listening, please message me on Facebook or Instagram or email me at soyouwantoride at yahoo.com and let me know what you thought of this episode. Anything you want to share with me will be a tremendous help and greatly appreciated. I am also considering implementing a new listener support program, and I would love to get your feedback. 
As you know, I have several affiliates now which I have brought on board to help cover my operating expenses as well as the cost of future expansion. However, some listeners have mentioned that they would be interested in supporting the podcast via a platform like Patreon. The idea is to have a value-for-value model where you contribute based on the value you feel you are getting from the podcast content. So, you would sign up to support the show on a monthly or perhaps on a per-episode basis. At least one perk I am thinking I can offer is a Patreon-only version of the podcast, which does not have all of the affiliate program information and podcast supporter announcements, and just jumps right into the content without any distractions, interruptions, or advertising. If this is something you would be interested in, please contact me and let me know how much you would be willing to contribute per month or episode and any other perks you would like to receive in exchange for your contributions. So, you want to ride a motorcycle? Well, you've come to the right place. Because this is the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle podcast. All right, so I'll have to do like that three, two, one, go live. So we should be, we should be streaming live to Facebook now. So uh, hello, everyone. My name is Chris Geis. I'm host of the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle podcast. And I am here tonight with John Casebeer, who is the owner of Motul and inventor of the Slacker Digital Suspension Tuner. So welcome, John. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. How you doing? Absolutely. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I think uh, I like I like your background. It's a little neater looking than mine, so I may have to work on this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, you can't see on these other parts of it here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, to anyone who is tuned in, um, if you go to my Facebook page, so you want to ride a motorcycle, you'll, you'll find the uh, post for this live feed, and then you can just post any questions you have for John and myself there, and I will do the best I can to keep tabs on that. And just see, you know, what, what questions are out there. And uh, for anyone who is watching, if you could do me a favor, like even if you don't have a question, just put a little comment, you know, a post, a comment basically, just like regarding your experience as a motorcyclist, you know, how familiar you are with suspension. And then we can kind of gear the discussion because I, I have like a broad range of, of listeners to my podcast all the way from, you know, brand new people just getting started, you know, to people who, you know, teach motorcycle riding to motorcycle racers and whatever. So it's kind of a, a broad spectrum. So we'll, we'll try, we'll do the best we can to accommodate everybody's need. So uh, I'll tell you what, so, so John, maybe, um, maybe let's start kind of a little bit with uh, suspension, like maybe sus- suspension basics and things regarding a motorcycle. And actually let me, let me premise that by saying, so like I was telling you earlier, I've been riding for about four years now. I've got two Kawasaki's, a Vulcan S, you know, sport cruiser. And then in 2018, I upgraded to an almost leader bike. I've got the Z900 RS, the classic, you know, retro style bike. Yep. Um, both of them, I'm currently using the suspension setup the way it came from the dealer, you know, floor, basically. You know, I, I bought the bike, I got on it, I rode. Now, I am aware of the fact that there are settings on both bikes. It's a little more sophisticated on the Z900 RS. I am aware of the fact that there are things to know about suspension and there's reasons that you want to tune the suspension. I even had Dave Moss on. Um, and if, if I'm not mistaken, Dave Moss from Dave Moss Tuning, I think he uses your product. 
Do you yeah, know? Yeah, do you know? yeah right. Okay. Last month that Buttonwell actually. He's okay. A good, good guy. He's a good dude. Yeah. yeah. So we will talk about him a little bit. But anyway, I had him on the podcast, um, and he had actually given me some suggestions for settings that I, that I haven't made yet. But anyway, so um, it's not that I have anything against any of that. I just whatever. I've been a little lazy. Well, I guess one, I've been a little lazy and haven't gotten to it. And two, you know, I guess this this the kind of stock setup is good enough. Like. You know, the, the bike is fine. And I guess for my riding, riding level right now, it's okay. But I think, as you know, you know, I, I did get myself one of these, right? I did. I actually got the case too, right? So I, yeah. I did get a Slacker V4, which, which we'll be talking about because I am very interested in, you know, I started reading about suspension, suspension setup, and I am interested in knowing, you know, what to do with my motorcycles to get them set up properly. I've started doing track days. I don't know that I'll use the, the Z900 RS all that much, but that's the bike I'm using right now. So anyway, so that's kind of where I guess where I'm coming from. And so maybe we could segue into if you want to just talk a little bit about suspension, suspension setup, why you develop the slacker tool, you know, what, what it allows the, uh, the owner to do and, and et cetera. Yeah, well, really, I mean, any bike, when you get it, at, the reason it's got adjustable suspension is, uh, like you and I would be different weights. You know, I'm a big guy. I know like motocross guys that are about four feet tall. So really you want to get the bike set up uh, for your weight so that the bike is sitting right and it's balanced. The the chassis is sitting right. It's sitting in the right stroke of the suspension. So it's not sitting way down in the stroke where it's real stiff, where it, it thinks it's going to bottom out, but it just hasn't been adjusted. And then you also, that can, uh, at the same time, by taking those measurements, it can tell you if you have the correct spring rates on the bike. Mm-hmm. So I can get on my bike, take the measurements, set my rider sag, and once I step off the bike, I can look at the number on Slacker, and that's actually going to show me the static sag, and that's going to be the key to telling me if I have the correct spring rates on it. So all that stuff is just about getting the bike sitting in the right part of the stroke, in the, right. in the uh, both the fork and the shock, getting it to sit balanced and with your weight, with the, you know, the particular rider on it. And then you can tweak that a little bit to make it, you know, turn better, be better at high speed and stuff like that. But it's, it's the primary main thing that you've got to do. It's like tuning your guitar. It's just not going to sound right. So unless you tune it. So I run into a lot of riders and they're all, man, I'm happy with the bike. It's fine and all that. But man, once you, get it right Tweak you, it. you you it will never be good enough again <laughs> mm-hmm. you'll always want to get back where you were so it, it's just something that's going to make the bike handle right it'll it where it turns well handles high speeds well does kind of generally everything well and then you can tune it from there but it is about personalizing your bike for your weight and then from there you can learn your numbers and tweak it for your riding style because everybody's different everybody rides different different technique. Right for people that are just getting started riding, like it's just a terrible precedent. Like people go, well, I'm not fast. I'm not a racer. I don't need to do that. But one thing is it's a safety issue. You don't want the bike to just wash out in a turn and blow mm-hmm. off the side of the road. You don't want right. it to knife or have head shake at speed. And the other thing is you'll learn really bad technique trying to fight the bike. So that thing sitting weird and it's really high in the front end and you're just having to get up on the tank and really heavy and the turns are going to learn a bunch of bad technique trying to 
compensate for the bad bike setup. So like from day one, it's a good thing. Even if you just run all your clickers in the default in the middle where like the factory tells you to whatever Kawasaki says on your Mm -hmm. compression and rebound and then set that sag and make sure you got those right spring rates on, you're going to be doing great. And a lot of guys even will spend a bunch of money on suspension not knowing you could make your stock suspension actually pretty damn good by just making those baseline adjustments. Right. Okay. Got it. Make, makes a lot of sense. So, so good. maybe, so, yeah. So maybe what we'll do is if, if you don't mind kind of back up a little bit, cause like I said, I, you know, this will go out as a podcast, which would be really cool. Um, yep. and, and I do have a lot of people who are brand new to motorcycles. So maybe, kind of if we just start like with the real basics just so you know anyone who, who's not familiar with the terminology and stuff that we're using can kind of you know get up to speed quick and then they'll appreciate better you know what, yeah. what the slacker tool is doing or whatever yep, so I, I agree. so i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on the limb here um let me kind of explain to you my understanding of things you correct me where i'm off base so this will be good so one it'll test my knowledge <laughs> And sure. and two, you know, I, I kind of have an idea where my listeners are coming from. So maybe I can kind of break, break it down in a way that's easy, easy for them to digest stuff. So I, I thought maybe one thing we'd start talking about is um, basically why, why there's a suspension at all on a motorcycle, right? Or I mean, you know, cars and trucks too, but we're talking motorcycles here, right? So, right. So basic terminology. So you've got the, the sprung mass, right? Which is basically the whatever what you're sitting on the, the motorcycle itself right the the frame yep. the engine the seat the handlebars and 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 etc right and then the unsprung mass which is basically your wheels tires and suspension bits right yep. I, I guess like basically ba- basically what's on the bottom side of the springs and shocks is i yeah. guess the, the unsprung mass right and then what's above it is is the sprung mass and Right. So the basic, if we just start with the springs, right, which you have basically front and back, right? So in, in, in your forks, normally there are springs in the fork tubes, right? Which can yep. be changed and adjusted, right? But basically, so what the springs do is, or let me even back up a second, right? If we think about basic physics and inertia and stuff like that, I, I don't remember which of Newton's laws it was, but, but right, th- there's one of Newton's laws that says a body in motion tends to stay in motion, right? Unless acted on by some other force or something like that. Yep. Um, so you have, like, say, if, if we didn't have springs or any kind of suspension, right? So you'd be riding along on your motorcycle on the road, uh, or let's even say, so you had like a hardtail motorcycle, right? Like a Harley hardtail, right? There's no, yeah. no, basically no suspension in the rear, which is like a traditional bicycle, right? It's like you've got a frame and the wheels bolt to the frame and there's no give basically in, in any of that. Modern bicycles now, especially mountain bikes and stuff, do have suspension, which Slacker works with. So that's another thing we can talk about, right? Because I know I have listeners that ride bicycles as well. So there's, there's yep. multiple uses for the, for the product, right? Um, but so if, if you didn't have that suspension, like on a bicycle, regular bicycle, or like a hardtail motorcycle, you, you come either to a bump in the road or some kind of depression in the road, pothole, which I live in New York, so there's potholes all over the place. They're very, they're very, very common, right? Yeah, they are here the, too. <laughs> the, the, the basic problem is that, you know, as, as you're riding along, front and rear wheel are in turn going to basically either fall into the hole if you're talking about a pothole, or they're going to, you know, push up over a bump and because everything is connected everything moves together so combination of things one you get a rough uncomfortable ride and two 
your traction potentially is greatly sacrificed, right? Yep. Okay. Absolutely. So cool. Okay. So far, so good. All right. So then, so now we have suspension, which primarily, I shouldn't say primarily, but one component of which is springs, right? Front and back, which act basically provide some give, right? So that the, the front tire, rear tire has the ability to move up and down independent of the rest of the mass of the motorcycle and you providing you have enough travel, right? And, yep. and I think that gets into one of the things you're talking about, right? So yep. idea being, so riding along the road in your motorcycle, actually, you know, I should, I got my motorcycle here. I should, I should actually be using this since we're on video, <laughs> right? So, nice. <laughs> you know, so, so, all right. So motorcycle going along the road hits pothole instead of the motorcycle doing this, if your suspension is set up properly and, and there's no suspension here, but basically your wheel can drop down into the pothole or you're, you're going into a bump instead of the motorcycle doing this, the, the wheel, well, actually, oh, there we go. We actually, I'm sorry, we do have suspension. So, nice. right. So the problem here is I don't have my sag set up properly, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, so, up <laughs> so let's actually do that again. So just so people can see, if you're watching the video, let me just see if we happen to have anybody yet, just so I know our, our audience. Uh, we, got, we got at least one person watching, so that's cool. So whoever you are, say hello. Um, okay, so right, so actually here you can see suspension travel on the rear, I think. Uh, we got nothing on the front, so that's fine. So if, if my motorcycle is set up so that my suspension is normally here, now when I go into a pothole, the wheel can drop and I can come up out, the wheel raises. If I go over a bump, the wheel can raise, right? And I go over the bump and the wheel can drop. Theoretically, and we can, we'll get into damping and all that stuff. Theoretically, the body of the motorcycle and me sitting on top of it is just kind of going along nice and steady without, yep. without doing this, right? Okay. Yep. In, in a perfect world. <laughs> in, a, in a perfect world. No, no, absolutely, of course, right? Okay, so now, so that's the springiness factor. Now, the thing is, in addition to a spring, you also have a shock, shock absorber, right? The, the point of which is to ab- absorb that shock to some lesser or greater degree, right? Because the problem is, if all you had was a spring, is you would hit a bump or a pothole and this would go like this and you'd, you know, you'd, you'd get the oscillation basically, you know, just like you, I don't know, you take a slinky and you pull it apart and let go, it kind of goes like this until it finds its resting state, right? Yeah, kind of like, like a junky old car when you see them going down the road doing this bit. And, like and the, they do the, the yep, absolutely. Because right. it's all spring, there's nothing uh, countering the spring. Right. To stop it from going and bouncing around yep. like that. Yep. Okay. So so that gets us then into shock on the rear and then what's set up on the front forks, which I guess effectively is a shock, but you don't really call it a shock, right? The the fork yep. the fork tubes. So what you have is is either is some kind of device that either is using what oil or compressed air or some combination of those things, right? That helps dampen because it's controlling the flow of the air or flow of the oil, how, how quickly the wheel can raise or lower and et cetera. Right. Yep. And, and that's where you get into, cause you know, I know but, cause what I'm trying to do here is I know people hear these terms thrown around, but if you're not familiar with it, it's just like buzzwords. It's like, what, you know, what are people talking about? Right. Yeah. And it's so, easy to get uh, over people's heads. You know, Absolutely. like Dave Moss is super genius, but I yeah. have a hard time keeping up yeah. with him. Okay. I, I know quite a bit. <laughs> no, I, 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 no, I could see it because I think he's, he's so knowledgeable and he, he's been doing it for so long and it's so second nature. Like I, I watch his, I love his videos. I watch his videos too. But like yep. 
he'll, he'll like have, like he'll be at a track day and he'll do videos of people coming in to have their motorcycle set up. And, and like, he'll just look at a motorcycle. He'll look at a tire and he'll say these different things about what he sees, you know, graining of the rubber or, or whatever, you know, is picked up and accumulated. And then he's, he knows it's like, okay, well, you know, it's not enough preload, too much preload. The damping is off, whatever. And it's yeah. hard to follow if you don't like think about this stuff all yeah, the time. Yeah, right? if you're not familiar with all the components. All right. You know, yeah. the, the way that I would look at it for like uh, somebody that doesn't know springs and damping and all these things is that, the springs really, you're going to adjust for your weight. It's going to be, if you sit on the bike, it's always going to crunch. It's always going to, the word sag really is how much the suspension sags when the rider sits on it or the bike's under its own weight. Right. So if you sit on that bike, it's always going to go to the same point. Those springs are going to hold you up the same every time, right? But they're going to get there either slower or faster depending on the damping. So the springs are just going to posture the bike. They're going to set it, make sure that it sits balanced in the real world. And then your damping is going to affect how fast it's mm-hmm. going to compress and rebound. Right. So if you look at it that way, then uh, I think it's just, it's an easier way to look at it. If you understand the springs, if you come into a turn, they're always going to settle to the same point, but they may settle really fast and want to rebound. They may settle real slow to where you don't get the fork to dive into the turn. Right. So I, I think it's just always good to differentiate and uh, look at the springs as that's just to hold the bike in a certain posture. And then the damping is going to do everything else from there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that, that's but it's a, basically your your baseline to, to get your chassis set up right. 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 Uh, and so, so basically just along with what I was saying here, so with the, the damping or whatever, right. So the, Compression damping is basically how quickly this this compression up can happen, right? Yep. And then the rebound damping is is how quickly or slowly you know going going back to the normal state kind of occurs. Exactly. Right? And that has a lot to do with how the bike feels and how it performs and and and, yep. and et cetera, right? Okay. Yeah, because the factory intended it to sit a certain way, and then if a big guy like me gets on a stock bike, it's not going to sit the way they wanted it to. So I'm going to have right. to adjust the springs, possibly put new springs on it and uh, get it set up so that for you, the bike would sit exactly the same way as it would for me. I would just have to adjust it so that it sat like that. But any rider, any weight, the bike should sit in the same. It should sit identically. It's just going to take a different combination of preload and springs, you know, to make that happen. Right, to do that. So now, so let's assume that the springs, the stock springs on the bike are okay. Like we don't have to change that, but we'll we'll get into that, right? Because that is something, sometimes it has to be done. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And and that's the thing too that's kind of unfortunate is, you know, people may go into, like they're going to start in motorcycling and they buy a bike and they get, and and the bike just whatever, like they have trouble with it. It doesn't handle right. Either they're too light for the springs or they're, they're too heavy for the springs, but they don't know and no one tells yeah. them. Like, and and that, that's, the, you know, that's something I've talked about on past episodes, the buying experience, the dealer you choose, or if you're buying used like privately, you know, that the owner that you buy from has a lot to do as a new rider, like how much you're going to enjoy it and how, how successful your, your motorcycle career is going to be, um, yep. you know, because either, either, you know, either they're just getting bikes out the door and they don't want to be bothered setting it up or they don't know any better, you know, whatever, whatever it happens to be. Um, yeah. But one, one, one thing I just want to run past you is, is one of the things like I've tried to wrap my head around is, is the idea of preload, right. And, and what exactly you're, 
setting and adjusting. And, and I had this thought last night, and let me tell me if this sounds correct, right? So if we actually, let's go back to SAG, right? So basically, so you have a motorcycle sitting, nobody on it, right? The, the, the weight of the motorcycle itself and the gas in the tank and whatever is going to apply some force on whatever springs are in the suspension, right? So those springs are going to compress naturally to some, some degree, right? Just based on the weight of the bike. And that now is that free sag? Cause I know like I've, I've heard different terms for, right? So there's basically the, the sag of the bike itself. Let's forget what it's called, right? So there's the bike sag and then I guess static sag is with the rider on the bike. Well, the the uh, static or free sag, both of those would refer to the bike under its own weight. Okay. And then, and, and these are differences in terms between like motocross and road racing, uh, but they're the same thing. So if you hear like static sag or free sag, that's the measurement between the difference between the bike with the suspension fully unloaded and the mm-hmm. bike under its own weight. And then for rider sag or race sag, a lot of motocross guys call it race sag. I like rider sag because it makes sense. The rider's on yeah. the bike. And, uh, but then your, your uh, race sag or rider sag is just going to be the difference between the suspension fully unloaded and you on the bike in your full gear with a full tank of gas like you were getting out on okay. the track or right. uh, going for a ride. Right. And okay. so uh, – yeah, those are the two, and it's really just the difference in, in those two things. The thing, like with Slacker, that's nice is instead of taking a measurement and then taking another measurement and then subtracting them, it'll show you that in real time. So you'd mm-hmm. have to take several measurements. You'd have to measure unloaded and then the bike under its own weight and then also the bike with the rider right, on it. Right. Whereas with Slacker, you're actually able to just sit on the bike, look at the actual number, and then step off and look, and that's your static sag. So, mm-hmm. And that, yeah. that static or free sag is the one that's important. Once you actually adjust the bike for your weight, then you go back. That number is really not important until you adjust it. And then once you've adjusted it for your weight, you go back and look at the static sag, and that's going to tell you if your spring's right or not, if you're within a certain range, you know that that spring's right for your weight. And if not, then uh, you'd need to either go up in spring rates or down. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So the, the question I had for you is, is, would it, is, is this the correct thing to say? So you, you've got, okay, you've got the motorcycle with the rider on it and, and this, it's going to sag a certain amount. The springs are going to compress a certain amount, right? Yep. Um, when you put in preload, let's say, well, I don't know if you're adding or subtracting preload, but, but when you adjust preload, right, you're basically now adjusting, like if you took the seat of the motorcycle, right, the height, you're, you're basically now adjusting the height of the seat up or down by adjusting the preload. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Right. So like if you, if you add preload to the spring, it's going to put more tension on the spring and push the rear end of the bike up more. Right. Okay. And that, that's really uh, where you see that static sag adjustment. You'll see those numbers change as you uh, change the preload on there. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically like if you get on and you're say shooting for 30 millimeters and you're at 25, and then you'd probably need to add like a turn on the spring and that bring that rear end up. So when you sat back on it, you'd be at that, uh, that, that new number. So right. And so, right, so basically, get, you're good. Oh, well, to actually, to get from like 25 to 30, you'd take a turn off the spring. I'm, I'm just saying it backwards there. So right. okay. you'd take a turn off the spring, sit on it, and then that would let allow the bike to settle a little bit more. 
and then you'd see that instantly either in your tape measure measurement or on the on your slack or depending on how you're doing it right. and honestly uh you know, the tape measures are perfectly, I have people all the time, like, why do I have to have slack? Or I'm like, well, you don't, as long as you're taking those measurements, that's a really important thing. And, you know, if, if you hang around with Dave Moss very much, you'll, I mean, he will berate you for not checking that stuff. He'll, he'll belittle you because right. he, he it, it's, it's so dangerous, like, especially at a track day at high speed, it can be a really a dangerous thing to not have that bike settle right in the turns you could go into the turn fast and have it rebound and high side on you and that's like mm-hmm. one of the worst accidents you can have on a street bike so yeah. so it's just something that's it's really important i don't tend to you know beat on the safety thing a lot i'm more of a hey make your bike sweet <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. a dude yeah sure, but sure, it, sure. Is a, it is a serious issue you don't want to uh, it's not something you should take lightly it's something that's worth at least just checking the basics make sure you're within a reasonable range and that the suspension's healthy yeah well no it's interesting because i've seen like in some of the dave moss videos where you know he'll be helping a guy set up his bike and the guy's like oh you know let's do this let's do that and dave is like whoa hang on a second i first need to see i need to see you know i need you to go out on the track do another session and come back i need to see by looking at your tires and moving to the suspension because he'll put like a zip tie or something like on the fork legs or whatever right I, i need to see that you're riding at a level that that's appropriate. And then if I see that, then fine, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll make the adjustment again to your point about the safety. Yeah. Uh, so, so you, you, you know, you do need to know what you're doing and it does matter. Like it's not, it's not like uh, just a hoo hoo, you know, you just change it and see what happens kind of thing. <laughs> I just want to take a little break here to let you know that this episode is brought to you in part by the following supporters of my podcast, Thumper Club member, John Gardner, also known as G4, Parallel Twin Club members Shane Patilla and Jerry Vavaro. V-Twin Club members Richard Warfield Jr. of R-Dub Studios LLC and Harley Nemzer from the On the Road Again Motorcycle School. Triple Club member Aaron at the Motorcycle Rider and V-4 Club member John Del Vecchio from the Street Skills LLC Motorcycle Riding School and author of the book Corner and Confidence. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your support. It is greatly needed and very much appreciated. If you would like to join these supporters to help grow my podcast and other motorcycle-related content and thus contribute to the growth of the sport of motorcycling, please stay tuned to the end of this episode or check out the podcast supporters link on my website. And now back to the show. Yeah, well, the adventure riders I see are sport touring guys. That is an issue because they'll throw, they'll go two up and throw a rider on the back mm-hmm. and rip down the road and that bike is really, now the front end's really high in the air and the yeah. first turn you hit, it's not going to turn like it does when it's just you on the bike. It's going to be high in the front end, and it's probably going to wash out, and you're going to blow the turn. So, you know, those are just things where if you take the time and make and, – and those guys will actually just throw a ton of preload on the spring, which is better than not doing that. Mm-hmm. But they'll just make a blind adjustment and to put a ton of preload on the spring to compensate, but they don't – if you don't take a measurement, you have no idea how that bike's actually sitting. They may be actually stink bugged. It may be horrible at high speed or, okay. you know, most, most suspension, when you really get a lot of preload on those springs, gets squirrely. I usually run a little bit heavier spring rate and with less preload, it, it just doesn't get so busy, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting too, you know, that you mentioned about like, you know, riding on the track and, or, or you know, like in a turn, how it behaves. Because I saw a post by uh, Kyle Wyman, you know, Motor America Superbike racer. And I, I yeah. guess it was the last, the last round at uh, Road Atlanta, I'm at Road America. And, uh, you know, he, po- he posted a picture, you know, some one of the photographers had taken of him. And I forget exactly the comment, but his point basically was like, look at the front suspension. It was totally bottomed out. Like he was braking so yeah. hard into that yeah. turn. There was just no travel left. Now he, he did fine. Like he, he didn't wash out or anything, but to your, to your point, like I, I guess he's looking at that going, Hmm, you know, maybe whatever I need to beef up the springs or whatever it happens. Yeah, and him. it's amazing. A couple millimeters is the entire world, especially with street. I mean, motocross, uh, I work with like Jimmy Dakotas, he actually is kind of retiring right now. He's having some health problems, but I mean, that kid can just get on the bike and tell you if it's one or two millimeters off what he likes. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. The guy, he's really a tiny guy. He's probably five foot four or something. And he gets Mm -hmm. on that 250, but he can tell you right away that it's off a little bit instantly just by sitting on the bike. So those few millimeters and, uh, especially in road racing on that fork, a couple millimeters could be the difference uh, between him hitting that bottom and, and having it respond and getting that hit and just not, you know, still having a little bit of cushion at the end of that stroke and not right. having a, a really a hard hit in the middle of a turn at 160 miles an hour, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I got you. So, sorry. I just looking to see if we had uh, had any questions. Ah, you're good, man. Um, <laughs> So, all right. So then, so, so on, so on the preload, right. So basically, and again, just to make sure I got this straight in my head. So let's say if, if you're adding preload, right. So you're compre- you're compressing the spring, right. Yep. So basically what's happening is now the spring, whatever it's, it's basically working against that. Like it, it wants to push out against the compression. Right. And, and yep. so it, it's, it's now able to counteract more load on the bike. Yep. Right. Okay. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. You got it. Yeah. It's just going to hold it up. Like when you sit on the bike, it's going to hold it up higher than if you had less preload on it. Right. Cause it's just, and, and again, it'll always go back to that same place with X amount of weight. The spring will always settle to the same place. It's just how fast does it get there mm-hmm. and how fast does it get from there to no, uh, tension on it you know yeah and that's all the damping stuff but no you're you're right on the money man okay cool all right so that's good to know so i'm on the right track (laughs) um but but also the other the other important thing that you mentioned that applies to my case is what you were saying about adjusting the suspension for either carrying luggage you know or a pillion um which which i've done on both bikes and again with the stock suspension setup you know and again not thinking that was correct um but now you know now that i've got the slacker tool which i haven't used yet but i will be doing that shortly um you know it'll it'll be so much easier to just make you know to find out what should the setting be you know so uh, I'm, i'm going for a weekend i'm going for a week i've got a different load what's my sag what is what does my setting need to be i can kind of make note of it and then at least i know you know when i'm doing whatever you know just riding around town or i'm going for a weekend trip you know how i want to be setting setting my yeah, it'll, it'll make it easier for you where you, where you won't have an excuse to be lazy about it and right. you can also trust the number because they didn't somebody didn't measure it wrong or read mm-hmm. they yeah. measure wrong stuff yeah. like that so yeah. i think it's something that'll be really helpful for you in that the other thing is it can tell you if something's weird, like on my motocross bike, when I go riding, 
I'll, I'll set my sag and then step off the bike and I'll look at that static sag, even though it's kind of irrelevant. You know, once you got the right springs on it, that number doesn't mean a whole lot. But because that was, it'll tell you whether you got the right springs or not. But beyond that, I usually, it usually sits around 38 millimeters. So if I'm at 35 or 40 something, I know something's wrong with my suspension. Maybe I worked on it. Maybe my linkage needs to be greased. Maybe, maybe I just have a fresh shock and I'm being an idiot. It's just, it, it needs to break in, but I'll, immediately I'll know something's wrong with my suspension on forks. It's important because sometimes you'll, you'll bolt the front, uh, axle in and actually the forks are a little bit bound up and they don't compress right. So if you know your numbers and all of a sudden that thing won't go to 30 and it's sitting at 20, you'll instantly know you've got a problem with the suspension and you wouldn't have caught that with a tape measure. You would have started chasing it and adjusting it because you wouldn't be able to see it in real time, but Mm -hmm. still you'd still see it. But I, I think that it's good. And that's one advantage of slackers. It'll really, once you know your numbers and how you like the bike set up, it'll stick out like a sore thumb the minute something's wrong and you need to, Uh, pay attention to having the suspension service because that's another really important item is you have to get that suspension serviced uh, like every 30 or 40 hours because the oils will break down and then all that damping we're talking about goes away and then you're just on a pogo stick so Mm -hmm. okay so real important to keep them serviced uh, make sure all the bushings and seals are good you're not leaking fluids and that your uh, fluids are good and not not all burned up and uh, cause it'll, it'll really start uh, the damping. will just go away and you'll end up making really extreme uh, clicker settings, trying to compensate by sh- like really shutting the valving down to try to yeah. get it to, to uh, resist the compression stroke. Mm-hmm. So it's just something to remember too, like that the suspension health is a big thing. And as you change sprockets, tires and do things to the bike, sometimes when you bolt Changes it back together, geometry. It okay. Yeah. 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 Oh wow! Okay, now that that's a really good point. Now you uh, you have a slacker on hand there. Did you want to yep, kind of show do. it? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Just so a, we'll give people people that are going to watch this just an idea of what we're, what we're talking about. Yeah. So this is, and I'm having a hard time. I don't know if you can see the display, but uh, yep. this is the slacker V4. Looks like the lighting's probably better like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just released this one. This is uh, tool's been out for about. I uh, released it in 2013. 2014 is when we went into production, so it's been out for six years. If you haven't seen the tool, I know a lot of people have seen it, but if you haven't seen it, uh, the rear of it's just got a really strong magnet on it, and you stick that on the axle. So obviously, you need a steel axle. There's ways to work around bigger axles and stuff. We can do adapters for that. And then uh, it's got a slacker ID on here, and that's really going to show up on the Bluetooth stuff. So the big thing about this product is I've actually uh, added the Bluetooth to it and then built out a couple apps that you can use as a remote. And then another app that where you can actually uh, save all your bikes and settings and keep track of all that stuff uh, on any, like, iOS or Android. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... So the function of the tool is you're going to stick it on the uh, axle. It's got a retractable cable. That's really how you're going to take your measurements. So you're going to uh, turn it on. I really can't tell. I can't see in the screen if you guys can see it. Yep, it's on. Yep. But there you go. You're you're already ready to take uh, some real-time measurements. And uh, it's got some functions. This is the auto zero function. So basically you could put it on the bike with the bike under its own weight. And you'll want this for the street bikes for sure. And then if you hold this button, and let me see, it will uh, 
And this does, I'll show you this on the app, it's easier to see, but it'll start scrolling the cursor and that's telling you to lift the bike. So you'll lift the bike okay. and then wherever it stops at is where that's gonna be the zero point for the tool. So you can see that I went 144 millimeters out. So that's a real time measurement from where the suspension was topped out to here. And then you can also just reset it to zero. So it's a pretty pretty simple tool, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty, I mean, it's got a little backlight on the display and some stuff, but right. pretty simple functionally. And then beyond that, I've got a uh, app and I can bring that up on the screen here. Well, I've actually sure. got one other, another uh, option that we have for it too, is just a little remote display. And this is the same thing. It does uh, all those same functions. So you can right. see the readings on it. Uh, you can reset it and do the auto zero on here. Right. So and, and the, the advantage the advantage with that being you, you mount it on your handlebars, and so you, you can basically read your you you can be by yourself on with the bike. You just put the bike exactly. up on on a stand, and and you yeah. can read the change in and sag and settings as you're on the bike, off the bike. Yeah, and, the, and the, the beauty of it is that you can sit in a normal riding position and look at right. the number. You know, you're not looking back or doing anything weird. And a lot of the mechanical ones will have you set a zero point or do things that, that uh, will take you off that track real quick. So this is nice. You can see if you're sitting weird. And that's another place where if you see your numbers weird and you're like, oh, man, I'm sitting on the back of the seat. You can catch okay. yourself doing goofy things, too. And the other options that we've got are... I've got a, let me get this on the screen here. So sure. I'm going to bring up my iPhone here and then we'll take a look at the two different remote options I've got for it. So I've got two options for the remote. One is service assistant. That's actually going to allow you to save all your bikes. You have to uh, have a login for that one, okay. but everything's stored in the uh, cloud. You can save like your bike settings. I'll run you through that uh, real quick. And then the other one is the virtual remote. And that one is just does exactly what that little remote I just showed you does. So it really, uh, it's just a real basic one for people that don't want to have a login or they don't care about, they just want a remote display. So I'll show you that one first. And that's just going to come up. You'll see uh, right here, you'll see the Slacker ID. And that's that number off the back right here. And then, uh, oh, it's right there. And then you can see the uh, measurements here. I can place it into auto zero by just pressing that auto zero button. And then this actually, I'll show you, you know, lift the bike. Yep, gotcha. And then there's the measurement and then you can reset it. And then uh, as soon as the tool turns off, it'll actually just shut this off. That display will close back out just so that it won't uh, burn up your battery life. And then the service assistant, this one, uh, you can actually add all, all your bikes in here, like setup notes, clicker settings, all that stuff, which uh, it, it was like I built both the both these apps for both platforms myself. It took me about a year to get it mm -hmm. going, okay. uh, yeah. but I'm real happy with it. it. It all works really smooth, so I'm real happy with it. So this one's kind of cool. You can come in and add a bike. So say we got, uh, we'll go for, this Saduro and it's a 2020 and that we could just name it uh whatever new apria and then we'll just save that guy so once it's in here we can come in here and you'll see at the uh, top it'll show you the bike model make a model in year 
It'll give you some gen- generic settings for that bike, what we think you should have the suspension at. And then you can actually add a setup note. So let's just say we had 12 and I'll just, I won't put all these numbers in here for obvious Yeah, no, that's fine. And say 34 and say we're at 33 and 10. And we'll just name this, uh, let's say Button Willow. And it'll it'll tag the date and time when you save the note and when you update it. So now it'll show up and you can see that it's got the date and time you added it. So if I come back and then it'll it'll sort these, whatever the newest note is, is will be at the top, top of the list. Okay. And so you could go through and add all that stuff. Then the nice thing is now I can go in and save stuff straight from Slacker into here. So basically, if I just come in and open up the remote, let me turn on Slacker here. So it's going to come up. It'll same deal. It'll show me the Slacker ID. You'll see here it actually has a name at the top. And uh, it's because in this app, you actually save the Slacker in and it can verify it's your Slacker and make sure you don't connect to somebody else's. Somebody doesn't connect to yours and you can actually manage all these. So you can see I've got a lot of Slackers Mm -hmm. because I'm I'm the Slacker. Constantly (laughs) testing. Yeah, actually, you know, it's funny. What I forgot to mention to you is is I kind of go by the nickname Old Man Slacker. So. It's uh, oh, nice. it's, uh yeah, yeah. so it's a beautiful beautiful uh you know coincidence with your product name and and it definitely fits my my desire to to make my life easy be a little lazy but uh, have cool gadgets so <laughs> nice yeah i like it i actually named it uh slacker just because of uh we're measuring the slack in slack. the cable <laughs> yeah makes sense and, makes sense and it, it, it has reformed some slackers to not be slackers and actually get their bikes set up right yeah, so exactly <laughs> And then this one's a, you know, same deal. It'll do all the functions, the uh, auto zero and reset and all these things. So same deal. I can reset it. The nice thing is, though, if we take a uh, measurement, say we've got 37, say that's like our our rear static sag and we want to save it, we can just hit save. We'll put it on that new bike and the button willow because that's what I'm doing today. And then on here, in the rear, we just see the shock. We just want to save it as the rider say. So I just hit that button. And then if we come out of here and we go back in and look at that note, we'll see that 37 right there in the rider sag for the shock. So you can keep, uh, I'm going to add some stuff to this, but this seems to cover pretty much most mountain bikes, street bikes, uh, adventure, motocross bikes, all that stuff. Seems to work good, and I haven't had any issues like with people not having enough room to put stuff and all that. So it, it's a pretty nice thing. I'm still adding to this. I'm going to add some search, uh, some sorting, and the ability to like share your notes with other people or like with your suspension mm-hmm. tuner. So okay. you could like share your stuff with Dave if he's working on your bike, right? And stuff like that. So I've got a little ways to go, but it, it was a pretty heavy lift uh, program and all this stuff and getting oh, the back end. Yeah, clouds function and then the Bluetooth on Android was just uh, absolutely miserable, but very rewarding when you get it all kicking. <laughs> absolutely, that's really cool. And, and so basically, so so this this app we're looking at it is the one that that saves the data to the cloud. So so basically, this does everything that the the, the just remote app does, plus all the ability to to collect and save the data. 
Yep, exactly. And the the beauty of this is that data that you've got it saved since it's in the cloud. If you go, you can get it from any device. And eventually I'll have a web front end where you can get to it on your computer. Sure. But for now, like if you switch from Apple to Android or just had your buddy's phone, all you got to do is download that app and use your email to log in and you've got your data on any device. So that's kind of the beauty of it. It all gets backed up and all that stuff. And then uh, we can use some of that data in the long run to try to help people, you know, see what other writers are doing and try to make their life better and and help people learn from the software. Because we can learn a lot from the data set that currently we're not, you know, we don't have, we just don't know what people are doing out there. This will give us some of that info so I can see what different people are doing for different conditions and tracks and all that. So so I've got a lot of lot of stuff I'm adding, and then I'm also adding another product that nobody's really seen this thing. This is a brand new product. This is going to be a uh, it's a little Bluetooth hour meter. Mm-hmm. And I'll just throw this in real quick. It's I'm still writing the software for it, but basically it's just going to. Hey John, maybe if you want, if if you're done sharing the screen, maybe if you if you want to close that out, it'll just be oh, yeah, e- easier you. for people to see the. The yeah, yeah I got gotcha. you. So this is just a little, uh, it's a little hour meter I'm working on. And basically, it's going to be like a regular hour meter, like you'd put on any dirt bike. Uh, I don't know that street bike guys use them a ton, but it'll just basically count your hours. It'll count the total cycles, and then it'll sync that over to your phone so that I can start bumping you and saying, hey, you need to change your oil. It'll you know, give you all your service intervals. Mm-hmm. And then this also, well, which is the reason I brought it up, this actually will work as a remote to Slacker too. It's got Bluetooth. So I can put it in, um, I just hit the mode button and put it to Slacker. And then that way you can just, this will already be on your bike. You could also use that as a remote display for it too. So there's a lot of different options depending on what level you're at. Some guys like just the wireless remote because it's simple yeah. and it's always in the box. And then some guys love the app and saving their sure. settings and tweaking out. That's more my style, but I have to always remember that. Uh, <laughs> and some, cool. some people don't like having to log in. They think like that I'm Amazon or Google and I'm going to like, Still all your data. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's a, it's a one guy in an apartment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that, right? So I'm, I'm in, in it also, I do computer programming and stuff, but I, I, I wasn't aware. I'm, I'm glad we did this because I wasn't aware of, you know, your thoughts about having the data in the cloud. That's awesome. Like, I'm, you know, yes, I know data can be misused, privacy issues, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, but, but, yeah, just the fact that you, you can, you have the ability to collect all this data, correlate it. I mean, whatever you could even i guess theoretically push push notifications to people like you know hey you know maybe you need to adjust your suspension or whatever you know yeah yeah make recommendations that's going to be a big part of that uh this other product too is going to be because i'm going to actually record the total cycles of the engine and correlate that to the time so i can see if you've been on it or not have you been putting or really on the gas you know Mm -hmm. but that data you know and I mean, who really cares if the NAC, NSA finds out that you like 33 right. millimeters at button well, <laughs> right? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like they can't get your email. So I yes. have had a couple of guys push back on the, the login thing. And that's why I built that virtual remote. A guy actually got a hold of me. I gave me a bad review on the Android app because they had a login. I said, but it does everything that you want, wow. that it's supposed to do correctly. It's not a bad app. And that night on Saturday night, I actually went in and built that virtual remote and then posted back and said, hey, here's the thing you were asking for. Mm-hmm. And then the guy just left the bad review and, and went on his way. And I was like, damn, I just built you an yeah. app 
on Saturday night. But right. I just try to make sure it works for everybody. I'm a, I'm a complicated soul. So I get that some people want a real basic system, you know. No, it makes sense. Like, you know, what, you know, give customers what they want. You know, some people, whatever, they don't want to log in and they don't want you to save their data. That's fine. You know, you don't, yeah. you don't need to. I think the so. best business advice I've ever heard was, uh, uh, have you ever seen Joe Dirt? Yes. <laughs> yeah, actually, tells, we were just uh, watching the said, other night a little bit. Yeah. He tells Chicken Wing, he says, it's not you. It's not about you. It's the consumer. <laughs> and that's like the best business advice I would ever give anybody, man, because I spent a lot of time doing things that I thought looked cool and that I liked, you know. And once I learned, yeah, well, that's great. That should influence it. But you, also, you really got to listen to people and see what their customers want. So I always laughed at Joe Dirt as my business advice, but it is what it is. <laughs> exactly. Whatever works, man. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. That's actually interesting where you can get good ideas from. It know? is. It's yeah. funny. So, um, so basically, so with the Slacker tool, right, like ordinarily – if you if you didn't have that tool, right, you're going to do suspension setup. You would you would need at least one other person to help you, right? To yeah. like as you're sitting on the bike, and, you know, and and you got the bike in stands or whatever, you know, someone else to do the measurements or like you know a lot of the videos I've seen, like even uh, you know Keith Code and a twist of the wrist, you know, at the end of it, you know, he shows how to do suspension setup. You need two people, you know, one person to support the bike while you're yeah. on it, you know, within your gear, and then someone to do the measurements and stuff. So. With the slacker, it's basically you, right? You don't you don't need anyone to help you out. No, you really don't. Honestly, like with the street bikes, we usually use the uh, like the Baxley wheel chalk, so you can just roll the bike in; it'll stand on its own. Right. So you don't need anybody. You can see the numbers yourself. In fact, I would prefer not to get a human involved at this point because they do weird things and you don't know they did them because it isn't you, you know. And yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. not a micromanager, but I've even if I have somebody helping me handle the bike or do something, I still use the remote display and it makes some people mad. They think you don't trust them. And actually that's true. I don't say that, but I do trust the remote display better. And the way my brain works is if I don't see that number, I'll second guess it all day and I'll go to clickers, but I'll second guess that number all day. Cause I didn't see it personally, which I know that's probably lame, but I, I just, uh, that's the one thing, man. The humans can can really be an issue in there, you sure, know? Sure, sure. Well, and, and, and that's a good point. Like variables, like that's like for me, right? I'm accustomed to debugging systems yeah, and tr- troubleshooting exactly. and whatever, right? And it's yeah. it's always the variable that you don't know is what's hanging you up. And, and so like debugging and troubleshooting is this process of, you know, el- you know f- eliminate, finding out what you know, okay, and tossing that aside and to find the thing you don't know, which is what's yep. hanging, which is what's hanging you up. And so yep. the, more, the more you can control that and the more you can be sure you don't have random variables, the better. Yep, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So maybe, um, maybe we could talk a little bit about how you came to create the tool to create slacker, you know, um, uh, you know, you've got a racing background, so I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know, maybe you got tired of, uh, of, ha- of having yeah. to do it the old fashioned way. Well, it, it's actually, it's a weird story. I raced in the eighties, uh, motocross and desert racing. And then, uh, I went to technical school and my dad pulled the plug on racing. It was, uh, 86 is the year I graduated from high school. And, uh, David Bailey, who was my hero got, uh, paralyzed that year racing. Oh, wow him and uh, Danny Magoo Chandler. So he pulled the plug on that. My brother raced for like another year. And then 
I went to school. I, I mean, I built uh, my own IT business. I got into IT and all that stuff. And uh, as far as like my profession and then on the side, I got into, I always have to have something else to do. So I was played in bands for like 20 years and <clears throat> toured around just punk hardcore bands, toured around the United States, had a great time doing that just for fun, you know, and then it was my hobby. And then when that ended in, uh, 2010 I just needed to get back in shape I needed something to do and I was kind of like how I found the van thing is I was like well I should get a motorcycle again because those things are fun and it would be a good reason to get exercise so I got a new bike in 2012 so I was I didn't ride for like 26 years and I went from riding two strokes like CR 250s 500s to four strokes hadn't ridden in 26 years so it's quite an adjustment to make I said a lot of the muscle motions and stuff, but it was really hard. Like I'd land off jumps and almost go over the handlebars because the compression braking, whole different beast. Wow. And I got a YZ450F. It has a reverse cylinder on it. So it was it was just miserable to set that bike up. It just didn't turn well. And in the end, I ended up moving the motor forward two and a half millimeters. And it was it changed the whole bike, you know. Wow. But in the meantime, I had to try to fight that sag and get it to turn good. And I didn't know if it was me or the bike. I had ridden in 26 years. It was really hard to sort it all out because I didn't have a good baseline of me having been riding or anything. So I got into it. I figured one day I I found the ASV solo sag, which uh, those guys don't sell that anymore. Probably just because slacker, I guess. But I used that tool and it was a mechanical scale. You couldn't put it actually in the right place on the bike, but you could kind of take a measurement. But the idea was you would put it on the bike, sit on the bike, and then you would reach back and you would set this little slider and then you'd gently get off the bike and lift the bike and it would measure that difference. But, you know, you don't ride with your left arm back at the back wheel. Right, throw throw it off. Yeah, it would naturally set the bias back and that number, when you did, you'd actually – have not enough sag because that extra weight would like add to that number. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I read the directions on it. I paid 115 bucks. I read the directions and I was like, this couldn't possibly work. I screwed around with it. It was horrible. My friend said it, it was a totally different number than if I said it. Right. And I and I was like, I don't want boogeyman. I don't, I like to know what that number is. So I said, screw it. I threw that thing in my van and never used it again. But the same day, I mean, I went out, did about a lap and a half, and I got cocky and tried to really stick it in this rut. <laughs> and I high sided uh-huh. and I came out. And when I, uh, it wouldn't have been a big deal. I just did the old tuck and roll, but I landed on my ribs on like a fist size rock, and I could just feel them, feel them pop. I was like, man, and I tried to convince myself I was all right. I sat out there, everybody rode all day, and I was done for the day. But I was going to be all right until about 4.30 in the morning the next day. And I got up and I was in so much pain. Luckily, I li- literally lived 100 yards from the ER. Oh, so nice. I hobbled up there and got a bunch of a bunch of oxycodone and stuff and went home. And I was having to sleep sitting up on the couch. So while I was laid up, I, that just stuck in my head, that tool. And I was like, man, there's got to be that tool. I was just obsessed with this having this tool. And so I just, I got a little... Uh, Arduino, it's an open source hardware platform. You could buy them at Radio Shack when they were still around. And I just got that. I tried like some lasers, ultrasound. I tried all these things and, you know, none of them really worked very well. And then I tried a mechanical one that kind of resembled the ASV thing, but it would actually take a digital measurement. And they all just were terrible. And I thought I, I, I honestly convinced myself I was done. And at one point I ended up figuring out 
I'll show you some pictures here. The uh, So at one point I just figured out I could just take a, like a bar and hang it from a piece of string, put a little box at the axle, and then you could see in this, are you able to see that picture? Yep, sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that's that old Yamaha I was telling you about. And uh, what I did is I just took a painter's clip and then hung a bar from a piece of string and then let gravity do all the work. Okay. So that little bar, I just put a little magnetic encoder on it, and then there's a little box. And let me get this other uh, – yeah, that makes more sense. Okay, yeah. So basically, I'll show you a close-up of that thing so you can see what I'm talking about. So it was really just okay. this little box <laughs> with that display and then the little Arduino in it, and then I wired it into that little black box you can see on the axle right there. Yep. And so when that bar went up and down, I could take a measurement – that thing now, being on the bike vertically like that on that bike is not right, so you'll have to ignore that. But this worked great, man. I was like, that that was the breakthrough moment once I figured out that, that this would work. So from there, I just kind of went on. We did some other prototypes, and then I've got, I'll just show you where that ended up. Just another quick break to announce the new affiliates program. If you go to the affiliates page on my website, you will see the companies that I have partnered with to bring you some of the motorcycle gear and services that I use myself. Not only will you benefit from their products and services, but if you make a purchase using the links on this page, you'll also be helping to support the podcast financially. So I'd like to welcome these affiliates. Street Skills LLC, which provides the Cornering Confidence book and online course. If you purchase a course or course and book combination from my website, you'll also be listed as a supporter on my podcast supporters page as a Parallel Twin Club member. If you're already a podcast supporter, a portion of the purchase price will be credited towards your next support level. And I'd also like to welcome Bond Body Armor, which I've been using for a couple of years now. If you go to their website using the affiliate link, you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from their online store using the discount code they provide. And now back to the last part of the show. This was the final uh, prototype right here that we ended up with, mm-hmm. which this was all 3D printed. And then I, I hand painted this one so because I was excited <laughs> to see it in the real world. Yeah. So really, that was like the whole deal. It, it took me about a month to come up with the product. And then it took me about two years to get to uh, production, you know, to actually get it out on the market. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that, that was kind of part of the story when I invented this was uh, right before my dad died. Like I had uh, just invented it and then my dad got sick and died that December. And I invented it in like October, got it working in November and then my dad died. So that spring, uh, actually like January, I ended up, I just sold my old business and went all in on Slacker. <laughs> I, I sold my IT business and said, man, life's too short. You know, dad died. It, he was my age when I was racing, when I was a little kid, and I'm already that age. So mm-hmm. I honestly just said, man, I'm going to jump off and try to do this. It'd be something really positive and cool I could do kind of in his memory, but generally with the rest of my life to not be stuck, uh, you know, because I, I wasn't necessarily happy doing the IT stuff. I was pretty right, buried right. and yeah. uh, I made good money, but it wasn't really like my passion. Whereas mm-hmm this is fun. It's motorcycles. I love doing graphic design and t-shirts and stuff. Cause I did that in bands for 20 years. So yeah. it all just kind of came together and I jumped off the cliff. It was one of the things that if I could change it now, I would have, I would have kept my own business for a couple of years. Cause I really had to 
but it forced me to make this thing get on its feet. I couldn't be lazy about it all. I I was more desperate than anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. No, that, that's 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 cool about your dad. Uh, that's just kind of interesting because that's uh, kind of the reason I started this podcast. It was like one of these things that was going through my head. I was like, right, I want to do a podcast. I want to do a podcast. And uh, uh, on his deathbed, basically, one of the things he said to me is, he's like, you know, son, of, of all the things I've learned in my life, you know, the, the thing I realize is don't wait to do the things you're passionate about. Yeah, you know, it's just like if there's something you want to do, just do it. Stop waiting, you know. And I'm like, I'm not making a living at this, but it was something you know, just I wanted to do. It's like, all right, well, I, I just need to freaking do it already. Like, stop with the, you know, there's all there's always the excuses why you can't and this and that and you know whatever. Oh, for so, sure. Yeah, yeah. no, there yeah. is, and uh, you know, I and a lot of the time, I mean, that that was both a blessing and a mistake the way that I jumped in here. And uh, I don't know, I listened to this uh, podcast, MF CEO. It's it's a it's a profound name. I can't say the name on here, but the MF CEO, and this okay, guy, gotcha. he, he talks all kinds of smack and he's a not really my style of guy, but one of his things that he said was like the best, he says, you know, you want to have the perfect logo and the thing and all that you sit around doing all that. He said, but the best thing you could do is just go to market. As long as you got the product, go to the market with that crappy logo. It'll get better as you go. But the biggest key to success is to just get in there and do it. And, and not be so worried about the presentation or any of that, because you'll learn as you go. Even if you get hurt along the way, you'll learn from all those mistakes. You'll learn about the crappy logo. Like if you look at my old stuff, it was like it was looked like a punk rock album cover, my first product cover, because that's where I came from, you know. Mm-hmm. But the key, the the important thing was I just went ahead and committed and put it out and went for it. So. Well, sometimes I feel that's a mistake. It's also a, a blessing in the yeah. same sense. It was, no. it was, it was the right thing to do, just for different reasons than why I did it. Probably. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that, no that's cool. That's that's it, it sounds like a success story. Yeah. So, no, it, a, it's good, man. I'm finally getting on my yeah. feet here. It's taken a six years of, of fear and terror and being $20,000 behind all the time. But like yeah. this year, I'm finally getting on top. So nice. Cool. So is, is this pretty much your full-time gig? I mean, this is how you're supporting yourself is yep. with, is with Motul. Awesome. Yep, it is. That, oh, cool, that's cool. it. I did have a few years ago. Uh, well, I, I, I'm in Portland, Oregon now. Just I moved up here a few years ago to just live with my brother so I could save money and get this thing on its feet. And I had the guy that was actually, in New York that was sourcing my product from China in 2017, that guy, I sent him my final payment on my order and he left my stuff on the dock in China and took off with my $31,000. Oh man. Yeah. And I'm living in a basement desperate. I'm already behind, you know? So luckily the factory, this guy Mao, who's a good friend of mine now and like can deliver samples in the United States from China to me. Great dude. He bailed me out. The guys in China that I was worried would rip me off were the guys that bailed me out. The guy here that I was thinking wouldn't rip me off did. So I did spend a year there of uh, ripping out. I did 80 McDonald's. I gutted their networks, put in new rack switches and all that and wireless. Mm -hmm. I did 18,000 miles and 80 McDonald's in one year up here to make up the difference. So I I did have to work that year, which sucked. Gotcha, but generally gotcha. the last couple of years, I just, I just do this, man. It's, it's, I just focus on this and, and writing the software and trying to 
keep the hype up and all that stuff, you know? Yeah. 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 No, that's cool. It's interesting too, what you said about, you know, not, not worrying about the perfection and stuff like, you know, your, what, what your logo is going to be and all that kind of stuff. And cause it's interesting. It's something I've looked at too. You know, when, when you're going through the process of coming up with something like, like you may be sitting at your desk, right. And you've got four or five possible logo designs, right. And it's like, uh, which one, you know, this has this advantage and that has that advantage when you finally put one out there, nobody knows that there was four other logo designs. Yeah, yeah, all they do is they see a logo and they like it or they don't like it. You know, so it's like all the like concern and this and that. It's like, yeah, like you said, like get the product out there, get the thing rolling. So yeah, like if you're going to race, you can be the last place racer at the first race. You're better to just get out and run the race and look like a squid and learn from it and then yeah. keep fighting because in a, in a year you could be good, you know, but yeah. if you didn't ever start digging in there You'd in never, a year, you're not going to be any good start you're gonna be on the couch, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I, no, I hear, you. I hear you. That's cool. Maybe, um, I know you, you showed some of your prototypes and stuff like that. Um, you're on version four now of Slacker. So what's been kind of the, the iterations like, you know, from the original version, what's, what's the things that have changed and any, interesting stories behind it or yeah the really the original slacker was uh the v1 was just like for you know motocross bikes that's where i came from that's where i started i didn't really know much about street bikes at that point i mean i did but not about suspension or any of this stuff because i didn't know that about motorcycles when i about dirt bikes when i started either you know Mm -hmm. so the v1 was just uh I mean, it, it had, I didn't, I'm not happy with any of the artwork and stuff, but I got it out. But, it, you know, it was it was this basic thing. It looked similar to this. It just didn't have, it had a different magnet. It had a solid magnet instead of the one with the inset hole. And that was just done for some inserts. And then uh, it had an older software version. So the V1 just was dirt bikes. And then when we went to V2, that was still just dirt bikes, but we added in a uh, auto zero feature. Okay. And that's the one I showed you where you could lift the bike. That was developed. I worked with uh, Bradley Adams at, when he was at uh, Cycle World, him and then Will. Uh, he's like their main test guy. Mm-hmm. And they brought up that feature to me. So I basically had the, uh, my electronics guy in uh, Missouri write the new software and then he sent me a software and I would actually pull the slackers apart. The version one that I actually started doing the auto zero at the end of the version one. So I'd actually peel them apart and upgrade the software myself <laughs> and put them together and then <laughs> rebrand them with the auto zero, you know, okay. And send them out. The V2 was had the auto zero included in it and it was still uh, dirt bikes. And then I added a street kit, which had the, uh, like the fork adapter and the little adhesive loops for the body work. And uh, so I had a separate street kit for that. So V3, we put everything together. So it was street bikes, adventure bikes, and uh, off-road bikes. Mm-hmm. It included all this stuff and then added a two-year warranty to it. And then the whole time, though, I've been trying to get to this Bluetooth thing for four years, literally. And uh, I had gone to another company that was going to get me prototypes. They were horrible I went around and around, and in the end, I went back to the factory that bailed me out when the guy ripped me off, and uh, those guys actually did all the engineering for it for like 3500 bucks, and it's awesome. I mean, I got the Bluetooth certificate, all the stuff, was able to certify it with Bluetooth so I can use the logos and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. so... uh, so all along I was trying to get here. So so I just finally got to the V4 after four years. It took uh, 
a couple of years in engineering and, and testing. And then uh, the last year was all software development, getting that app built out while they were in production. Mm-hmm. So, and then, uh, so for Slacker, that's kind of the end of the road right now. Down the road, I may do a mini one for like mountain bike shocks, but uh, I just, it's going to have to be like do tenths of millimeters. It's pretty complicated. Oh, but okay. I'm blowing that off. I got, I got my, uh, plate is full right now with this other yeah. new product because i got to write a bunch more software i don't know how to write again <laughs> gotcha. well like you said you just dive in and learn it <laughs> I, I do man. you know i mean the stuff is changing all the time anyway it's so it's so interesting it's like you know you're constantly learning if you want if you want to be in tech any kind of tech or whatever oh yeah you're you gotta constantly you gotta learn learn the new stuff yeah, yeah 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 so <laughs> how many uh, how many units have you sold to date do you know roughly oh yeah, I'd say I think eighteen thousand of them. Nice. Yeah. So nice, I nice. I go through. I'll probably go through. Oh man, I've already been through. I'll probably go through like thirty five hundred of them this year, maybe four thousand of them. Cool. But a, a bare minimum is like a couple thousand a year. Nice. But uh, nice, yeah, nice, it's nice. it's been stepping up. I did uh, when these actually released uh, June sixteenth. They started shipping. I shipped uh, four hundred of them in ten days. Oh, cool! And then ran out of stock and had to air freight more emergency in. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, which, they're starting to move. The, the yeah, yeah. I mean, you never want to run out of stock, but that's a good problem to have. Like, there's good problems is. and there's bad problems. It's like you know having a ton of you know, inventory in the warehouse. That's a bad problem. <laughs> yeah, that is a bad problem. So yeah, it's, it's moving along and it, like, it's just picks up every year as I've added street bikes, adventure bikes, mountain bikes, mm-hmm. the new markets. And then, you know, the, the big pain point is just if I had a ton of money to run full page ads, I could get the word out, but I've really had to work with like my support writers, all my sponsored writers and, uh, you know, in industry contacts, whatever I went, can to get the word out and get him in the right people's hands. So people, yeah. some people like Dave Moss has been amazing and really oh, sure. supported me and helped me out. But you know, if you had a million dollar advertising budget, you could get out and sell 10,000 of these the first year, probably. Mm-hmm. I just haven't had that. So. Right, 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 right. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I'll do what I can to help you out. I don't, I don't have, uh, <laughs> I don't have 10,000 listeners yet, but, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, I, I will, I will, you know, I'll start, I'll start using the product as soon as I can. Actually, I'm uh, going to be away a couple of days going up to New York safety track and I do my uh, second track day. But uh, when I come nice. back, I'm going to start working with it. So yeah, I'll start, yeah. I'll start talking about it more on the podcast and my you know experiences with it and stuff. So whatever I could do to, to help out. Like I said, I, I, I love entrepreneurs, small businesses are, you know, it's awesome. It's kind of the backbone of this country really. So yeah, yeah, it's a lot more fun than uh, the big companies because those are kind of headless guys, and you're talking to a rep, you yeah. know, as uh, marching yeah. orders. It's a I, big. It there's a big, big difference, you know, and there can be advantages to big companies, whatever. But yeah, there's a big difference between talking to the sales rep, you know, who reports to a boss, reports to a boss, reports to a boss, you know, and like talking to the owner of the company. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. The guy that did the, all the work. A little more you know, vested that, interest. There's more knowledge. There's more passion. You know, I had a guy at a milestone uh, motocross when they were still open in California and I'd go out there all the time for this series, set up my canopies and show the tool and race mm-hmm. and stuff. And then, yeah. I mean, I saw the guy out there. I mean, I had met him probably six or eight times over two years. And then one day he's all, Sir, are you like a rep for Motul or what's your deal, man? And I'm like, 
dude, this is. I am Mojo, baby. <laughs> like this fan and me and these canopies, this is the entire setup, man. But, and he, he was so stoked that he met the owner of the company, but he had met me two years before that. Mm-hmm. So I was really amused, but he he got so excited, like, oh, you're the dude that made that? And I'm like, yeah, man. And he's and then he got real excited. He yeah, was always yeah. a nice guy and came and talked to me. But once yeah. he figured out who I was, and then I was laughing because I don't look like the, I'm not the most likely CEO dude. I sleep, I got all screwed up hair, sleep in my van on the road. And mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't really roll like most of a CEO type guy that you would, yeah. that you would think of, man. I'm I'm yeah. more of a, Probably an MF CEO, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. I like that. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to use that as a title for this episode. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. I'm, that I'm is, always amused at that one. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, so who, who are some of the racers that you work with or that you're like sponsoring? Oh, I work with uh, like an off-road. I work with uh, trail jesters. <laughs> they actually... Uh, I don't know if you know, like Josh Toth, he, they, he was one of their riders forever, and Ben Kelly, they're both at the top with, like, Caleb Russell and the GNCC stuff now. Okay. And then, uh, but Jesse Ansley's on that team. I've got several people on that team. I work with, uh, in Supercross and Motocross, I work with uh, Ted Parks. He does TPJ. They they support all, all the, a lot of the privateer riders, get their bikes to the races, do all that stuff. And then I work with uh, Rockwell Racing, which uh, they're actually an official Supercross team. They do the 250 West Coast Series. And then, like, in road racing, I'm working with uh, Michael Gilbert that does uh, – Yeah, I just saw that recently. In fact, they were were talking about him on the Moto America podcast. Yeah, yeah, he's a a good guy, and he's an early supporter of mine. I'd actually kind of crossed paths with him a few years ago. And then I just, I liked his style and he turned out to be a great guy. And then we know a lot of the same people in the end. So he's, he's been really good. And then uh, I also do like hook at sponsorship. So I've got a, I've got probably like 1300 uh, amateur riders and, and all those guys, like if anybody races, watches this, uh, like we are on hook it and we'll, we do a 50% discount for, for racers through hook it. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So we work with, uh, quite a few different people man at this point gets nice. a little cross-eyed and then we also only work with uh all out racing up in washington state and they're a downhill mountain bike outfit that's still a new market for me so mm-hmm. we're, we're still kind of building there i gotta i gotta make a name and convince some people of right just show them the value of the tool and then once people see it they get it you know word of, word of mouth yeah for sure for yeah sure. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I don't know if it's on purpose or not, but the color of the product, that bright yellow, like really stands out. So like if, if nothing else, like I could see, I could see someone setting up their bike and someone go, what, what's that? What's that cool looking yeah. yellow thing? You know? <laughs> it used to be like for the, the first uh, 17,000 of them, they were actually, it was a little bit more, I don't have one right here, but uh, it was more like uh, the DeWalt yellow, almost the mustard yellow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, or like a fluke multimeter, you know, mm-hmm. and that's sure. kind of what I was going for that with the digital display. Yeah. Yep. Gave okay. it kind of a, I don't know, it was like a mustard brown or mustard yellow. Yeah. So they always had that kind of a more of a muted, it wasn't real bright like that, but I liked it. But I got my prototypes 3D printed and they were all in that bright yellow and I loved it. And so I just, I was like, well, I want it to look different anyway. So I changed to this bright yellow, and I, I man, the old ones look crappy to me now. I really like them, and it, it, it was kind of 
contrary to my usual style being an old punk rocker to go with a really bright color but uh no i really like it it really stands out it looks good man i'm happy with it yeah no it's awesome yeah it really it really pops so yeah well 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 done on that on the color Conversation change. Conversation starter. What yeah, exactly. That yeah. <laughs> in fact, actually if, if you want to hold up the slacker a second just to show your yeah. logo your logo again. So what's the um what's the what's the thinking behind your logo? It's kind of like a stylized like infinity symbol, right? Oh yeah, it's Infinity. it's really uh just like a uh I don't know if you can see that there. Yeah, inter, inter, interlinked triangle. Yeah, you know what it is? It's just like input-output, like digital I.O. Mm, okay. So it's an arrow going one way and an arrow going the other way. It's actually kind of a simple thing. It's just something I threw together, and I liked it. I liked it because, to me, it was kind of the digital input-output. Yeah. Most okay. people, that would make sense to you. Most people, that probably doesn't make sense. Right, but they, whatever, they think I. it's mountains or whatever, but it's, it's a cool it's a cool looking logo. Yeah, that that took me a while too. I had several generations of logos, and I yeah. I love the new stuff. But man, it took me a long time. Man. I'm I had sure. To, I had to learn Illustrator and get good at it, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm still working my way through that stuff. I'm getting there, Photoshop and all that kind of stuff. If you're into it, man, so, you'll you'll get it. If and yeah. if you ever need help on some of that, I'm I'm real good in uh, cool. like Photoshop for actual photo stuff. But like Illustrator, uh, Premiere, all that Adobe stuff, I, I get into all of it. All oh, nice. Okay, cool. I tell you, it, it's amazing how good Google has gotten. Like, I, I don't know how I lived before Google, but yeah. it, it's, it's really interesting now. Like, I, I could be doing something, audio editing, or it's photo, like Photoshop or whatever. And it's yeah. like, you know, just you think a little bit about your question, you know, put about a five words the, like the first or second hit on the page it answers your question. It, it's really yeah. like that. From an IT perspective, that's some amazing technology. I want to like, I want to understand that one of these days. <laughs> yeah, it was a hundred percent. Like this company wouldn't exist without Google because I had to go out and find the open source hardware and figure out how to build it and get the sensors yeah. and the linear encoders, yeah. and then to write the software that I didn't have any idea to write. So they, yeah. and then all the way through the app, through the Bluetooth development, everything. I've Google, 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 man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm out yeah. digging around all the time out there finding little. Yeah. So it's, you know, and I know there's always this balance between the, you know, they collect all this information about you. And I have to admit, like, sometimes it is frustrating. It's, it's so funny. Like I'll, I'll go Google something or whatever and then, or answer an email. And then I go to Facebook and it's like, it's like exact, exactly the product I was just looking at. It's like, wow, this is really, you know, that's yeah, really, I actually understand that, 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 that's really suspicious and sneaky, you know, but that aside, and it's not even something intrusive, honestly. Yes. It's like, well, you know, they're, they know too much about me, but my point is when you look at the other side of what's possible, it, to, to me personally, it just way outweighs whatever, whatever they can track what yeah, websites they, they, they go to present, you know, like, like valuable data for you. If they know that you're a computer software guy, right. they'll swing little things through that would catch your interest that they yeah. wouldn't have sent to you otherwise. So sure. I'm not, I, I don't like advertising. I don't like having to advertise. Yeah. I don't like being advertised to, yeah. but there's still value to that stuff, you know? Yeah. So it's like anything that it's a two edged sword. The internet is like the best thing that ever happened to mankind and the worst and thing, the worst thing yep. that ever uh, happened to mankind. Man. It's <laughs> kind of the, the world these days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. That's <laughs> true enough. True enough. Um, before, uh, before we wind it down, anything else you wanted to hit, you know, talk about that we didn't cover or anything else you want to mention about the product or how people can find you and uh, slacker. 
Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, just thanks for having me on here. I think it's My good pleasure. what you're doing, like trying to bring people into the sport. I see motocross like can be so self-defeating. They drive people out of there sometimes, uh, yeah. being cool or being, you know, I'm the fast guy and that guy's a squid and, you know, wanting to run you off. To, so I think it's really great to see you doing this and trying yeah, to raise you. awareness for riders so they can be safe and that their bike can handle and that they can get faster and better and even if they're just a street rider that they can have the safety and have a bike that they actually enjoy riding so that's awesome if you guys want to find me i do have my youtube channel i'm getting ready i got some brand new video i just did with dave moss but i won't go up for another month i still gotta produce it and uh, but we do have the youtube channel just uh, motul uh i think it's youtube.com forward slash c forward slash motul or just search for motul on there and yeah. then you can find us on the, the apps. If you just search Motul on the iOS or the App Store, uh, the Google Play, mm-hmm. you'll find the apps on there if you want to check them out. And, the you know, the service assistant app is something that even if you don't have Slacker, that's been around for like uh, probably six or eight months ago. I released it. So you can still do what I did initially, add your bikes, keep track of your bikes, put your notes in there. The only thing you can't do is the remote thing and saving the With settings. The, okay. But it's gotcha. it's still a functional uh, thing, even if you don't want a Slack or don't have one, don't cool. care about it. So that might be useful. Nice. And then, uh, yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And okay. uh, pretty easy to find, honestly. If you just search for like a Slacker digital suspension tuner or Motul, you'll you'll find a lot on us. So, okay. And I do think that YouTube channel's got some valuable uh, stuff just on bike setup stuff with Dave where it could kind of get your, your brain working that way and get you a little bit of a framework. And then if you want to get real serious about it, then you go to Dave's channel because <laughs> mm-hmm, sure. he, he'll go all the way to the moon with you on that stuff. But oh, I think yeah. it's good basic information on how to use the tool. You can see how it works and then how, you know, just general bike setups, the damping and springs and, and the chassis balance, you know? Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll, uh, in the, you know, the, the, when I, this goes out as a podcast, you know, in the podcast notes, I'll make sure there's links to all your social media and stuff. People just click and cool. they, they can find it. Yep. Awesome, yeah, awesome, that's awesome. awesome. No, but definitely thanks for having me. And I think it's a, it's a good thing you're doing here, man. Like, thank you. Raise awareness, try to share information. I think people, uh, they get stuck in their little holes and they want yeah. to like hide information from you or BS yeah. you or even with like suspension setup. I see in off-road people, well, it doesn't matter where you measure. And I can't tell if they don't know what they're talking about or if they're actually just trying to sabotage the other yeah. guy. Yeah. So he, he'll think that he got his bikes like the placebo setup, you know? Right, right, so right, right. I, I never know what to think about some of that stuff, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, just, um, you know, like I said to you, I started riding four years ago, and it was it was interesting because I was listening to podcasts and I became a co-host on a podcast, and there was all this talk about, what's, you know, what's, what's the fate of the motorcycle industry and, you know, is it shrinking and it's going to go away? And I was like, oh, hell no. It's like, I love this too much. I got to. I got to do something about this. Right. So I was like, let, yeah. me, let me, let me do a podcast. I'll just help add to the dialogue, get information out there, you know, just make people. Yeah, and so that you, don't, you don't have to be Josh Heron to have fun. on No, yeah, no exactly. You got to well, start that, at yeah. the bottom and just have a good time, man. That's, Absolutely. But that's 99.9% of the riders are not Josh Heron. Exactly. We all just, as long if you enjoy it and you like tinkering with your bike, like that's probably a, a cool tool for you. Yeah. And, uh, but generally like if you're going to ride a bike, Definitely just take the time to take the 
measurements and check it every once in a while that something hasn't changed a lot, even for like a basic play rider that just toodles around town and just make sure it's balanced. Like you'll enjoy the bike a lot better and Mm -hmm. it'll, it'll be safer and it'll, it'll handle the way that the factory meant it to. It won't get, it won't be squirrely on you. Yep. 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 Cool. 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 All right, John. Well, thanks again for joining me. It's been a ton of fun. And uh, if if you want to just hang tight, I'll shut down the recording and we can just chat a little bit. Right on. That works. All right. Good night, everybody. Thank you for, uh, for watching and for listening. If you'd like to find out more about my podcast or find the earlier podcast episodes, just point your web browser to so you want to ride a motorcycle.com or find the link in the show notes included with this episode in your podcast app. If you have any questions about the show or the topics discussed, or if you want to send me feedback, you can email me anytime at so you want to ride at yahoo.com. That address is also in the podcast notes. You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram, where I share lots of links to other people's motorcycle articles and video content, as well as providing a lot of my own motorcycle-related photos and content. Just search for So You Want to Ride or find the links on my website or, again, in the podcast notes. There are two big ways you can help support the show. One is free and one is paid. If you'd like to help support the podcast financially, you can donate using PayPal by going to paypal.me slash Christopher or just click the donate link at the upper right on my website. I also now have a podcast supporters page on the website, which lists all of the listeners who are supporting the podcast. Total donations of $5 to $9 will make you a member of the Thupper Club, where I will list your name and any social media links that you want to provide. Donations of $10 and up will make you a member of one of the other clubs where I'll include your photo and biography as well as any links you want to provide. Any commercial organization that would like to support the podcast to help promote their products and services can contact me directly for the available options. All donations will be put to very good use to cover operating expenses and to help promote and expand the podcast. Anything you care to donate will be greatly appreciated. The free way to help is just help me spread the word so we can continue to grow my online and listener communities. So please share the link to my podcast and my social media with family, friends, and coworkers. And also, please leave me a rating and some comments on iTunes and any other place where you can leave feedback or mention the show. As always, thank you for listening. And just remember, whatever you do, it's always time to ride. (laughs) 